Hello, 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 and welcome to your Midsummer Night's podcast extravaganza as we go into the woods today. You are going to love this episode. But before we get into it, I want to tell you about our Patreon, patreon.com slash the drama podcast, where for $5 a month, you become one of our Patreon family members, and you get access to our Instagram close friends, and you get bonus episodes multiple times a month from your favorite twins. One more could be better. So enjoy this episode with Jason. You're going to love him. You're going to love everything we talk about. And I think you'll also love our Patreon. So patreon.com slash the drama podcast. Dylan and I love you. Thank you for joining us. It's time to go into the woods. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I'm Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Connor, the, the race is on. Ooh, and you know what's so fun about this episode dropping and recording within the same few days is yeah. we just saw the penultimate episode of All Stars 7, RuPaul's Drag Race, and yes. the finale is coming this week. So it can be a very of the moment conversation about where, you know, as you said, where the race is going. It's yes. on. Was that not the best? I mean, maybe the best episode of Drag Race ever. It, I think so. This is the best season ever. It really has so delivered good. on every level. I mean, what a treat to watch. I, know. I think a part of me was kind of like, ah, oh, the positive critiques. Like we've we've heard it, but then I was like, you know what? Let them shine. They can't invalidate their choice to make them winners. You know what I mean? So they need to make them feel elevated throughout the entire season. But I think everyone has had a great moment. But the standouts for me have all season have been Raja and Jinx. And I think that they should be the respective winners of their respective lip syncs. Ooh, interesting. Like Raja should be the queen if she already done had hers, whatever that means. <laughs> and Jinx I, should be the winner of the winners. I think I'm on board with you. I'm definitely about Jinx, but I'm, a, I'm feeling dramatic that Jada didn't get a chance to fight for her place in the final four because, you know, hypothetically she did better than Shay all season. And I'm not saying Shay doesn't deserve it. I mean, they're all amazing, but the, it was just down to Monet, like picking between the two felt so weird. It was weird. It was unexpected because they didn't have the Queens pick anything all season. So that was just kind of like, to me, it felt strange. Yeah. Especially since it's a lip sync La La Perusa finale that uh-huh. if, if there, there was a tie and that they didn't get to break it by lip syncing. I don't know. I just feel a little weird about it. And Jada really blew me away. I, I yeah. Was obs- I mean, I'm obsessed now, so. Yeah, she's amazing. But yeah, it's so good. I mean, Trinity the Tuck does drag race like no one else. She I does know. so well. It's crazy. For as like odd and problematic as she can be on social media between seasons, um, she's amazing at drag I race. I know, I know. I think that it's, it's a, if it were to be a final two, I think it could be Jinx and Trinity, which we've seen yeah. them think against each other and they've crowned Jinx to win, you know, to make it seem like she's better at lipstick Trinity throughout the season. They just yeah. have different styles. I think it's been the best season ever. I'm I'm sad to see it end, but it's been such a treat to see these queens back, especially Raja, who You're a I big Raja had a fan. beautiful moment this past week about her talent and everything. Yeah. 
I think she won the episode for me. That was so emotional. We all had like full body chills watching. Yeah. Anyway, Dylan. Okay. So speaking of, of the moment, you know, this is recording and dropping in, in the time when Drag Race is airing its best season ever. There's also something else of the moment happening that has taken the Broadway world by storm this summer, which is this revival of Into the Woods. And, and you literally looked to me after we saw it and said, I think that's the best thing I've ever seen. I, I did say that. Well, I, it's, it's one of those shows where, you know, you and I were talking about this recently. What has been exciting you lately in the theater? And this is one of those things. It's magic. It's it's clarified. It's mm. perfectly cast. I mean, I really, I was shaking. And every what was also exciting was to see a sold out Broadway house yeah. and to hear people talking excitedly about what they were seeing. I mean, I've seen some other things this season when people aren't really talking about the show at intermission. You know what I mean? And yeah. this was electric and also people were singing along behind it which i and instead of being annoyed <laughs> those gays i know <laughs> i was kind of like delighted by it it no, was kind of cute. cute yeah they were yeah. laughing their asses off oh my god but anyway we have a guest today who was just featured in people magazine i know one of your dreams people.com are they still I, a magazine i i think they're just called people just people people oh oh okay oh, dylan live vocals oh, on the oh. okay anyway we've talked long enough but i would love if you would introduce our guest today. absolutely our guest today is making broadway magic as a cast member of the critically acclaimed revival of into the woods at the saint james theater where he opened the show as the baker and also covers cinderella's prince and the wolf and honestly he could probably go on for every role in the show no stranger to broadway stages he made his debut as angel ross in the 2014 revival of les miserables for which he also appeared on the tour you may know him from his time in Phantom of the Opera on Broadway, as well as the Las Vegas production. He was part of the adapted revival of The Secret Garden that played across the country as Albert Lennox, and off-Broadway in The Music Teacher and AWOL. His gorgeous voice can be heard on his three solo albums, A New Leading Man, Revolutionary, and Remembering to Dream, which are all available on iTunes, RuPaul Voice, and has appeared on original cast albums of An American Victory and Song of Solomon with Broadway Records, The Music Teacher on Bridge Records, and Overture on DLC Music. We are so gagged to have this award-winning playwright and screenwriter on the pod. Please welcome to drama, Jason Forbach. Hi! Hello! <laughs> wow, what a an intro. I oh, yeah. love how you are huge Drag Race fans. Oh yes, huge. and you know it's a theater podcast. We talk about Drag Race. We talk, you know, it's it's all it's theater. It's drama. It's uh, yeah, of course. And we so I it. saw you you on the edge of your seat about trying to participate, despite you. Being I kept muted. like uh huh uh huh uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yep, agree agree. What are your thoughts on this season? I love it. I I was joking with a friend the other day that I feel like RuPaul has finally created the season that she wants to watch. Mm. Oh, yes. She just wants to see people be excellent and be entertained. And I love seeing her be amused. And, you know, it's great because these are really people at the top of their game just playing and being creative. And I I live for it. Yeah. I mean, Rue's laughter and that roast challenge was. Oh, my God. I mean, I always laugh when Rue laughs, but. Yeah. Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. And they're so smart. They're all so smart. That's the thing is I, I, with all winners, you can't, you have to be clever and have a quick wit. And it's, it's amazing to me. I, I love all of them actually. Were there any winners that you wished would have been on the season? Oh my gosh. Well, of course, a Bianca Bob situation would always be like, buckle up. Yeah. You know, I, mm-hmm. I feel like that day will come. 
for the price, for the right price. I think that for right. both of them. I saw this tweet that was like casting rumors for the next all winter season. And they literally just listed every other winner that wasn't on this season. And I was right. like, wait, how is this a rumor when you've truly just given us exactly the list of the other winners? Like, <laughs> and yeah, it will still be amazing. But <laughs> What's the speculation here? You're like, you're just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, wait, also, I forgot to say the Vivian is also great. She yeah. really slayed this season. They all have. I kind of was expecting that. Remember when Raven did that? She came out and we're like, who's it going to be? I kind of thought it was going to be Envy Peru from the Netherlands. Or I, th I thought other winners were going to, from other countries, but no, just, just the Viv. Just I know, Viv. just for now. Maybe, maybe the next winners will include, you know. I know, I feel like that's kind of a good idea, right? Yeah. I'd love to see Lawrence Cheney on another. Do you watch oh all the different God. franchises? Yes, yeah. Yes. Oh, so good, so good. And then, you know, so this is going to end and, and Down Under season two is going to happen. And RuPaul is keeping us fed through the always. whole pandemic, keeping mm -hmm. us happy, keeping us like laughing. I, it was like, truly, that was pandemic therapy for me. Oh, yeah. Every Friday night, we knew that was something yeah. that we could count on yes. when everything else was getting canceled. Yes. So good. <laughs> oh, my God. So good. And Jinx, I can't. I mean, I was even thinking back to like the Judy was like the Judy impression was like mm -hmm. not that long ago. That's yeah. the thing is like they stretch over such long periods of time. And you're like, oh my God, the Judy thing was know. incredible. And the little pig, her little pig <laughs> thing, like the improv yes. when her ear fell off. Yeah. I still laugh at that mm -hmm. constantly. It was just the funniest season. So good. I know. Oh, it's so the good. The body of work that they've all created throughout this season has been so yeah. good. So creative. It's so inspiring to me. And I always tell like students, I always say like, you should watch the show for just for fun, but also like, it's so educational, I think, for mm -hmm. how to like uh, handle critique and adapt and take negative criticism. And you know what, it, it, it's fun to watch mm -hmm. how people rise or, or crash in that kind of situation, especially it's like, it's so theater adjacent because it's like, yeah, you're going to have people that are going to throw negative critique at you. And it's like, how do you bounce off of that? Mm -hmm. I feel like I've learned so much by watching Drag Race. You know oh, what I mean? Wow. I, I absolutely love that. I mean, I've pr I probably said this on the podcast before, but I've, I've lost my religion growing up, you know, growing up Catholic and whatnot. But mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I think it's the closest thing I've found to like a spiritual sort of feeling of like self-love and mm -hmm. the way that we look at the world and, and each other and the sort of the Rue-isms. I know that Rue's deemed problematic by many, but I do think that Rue has a lot of really wise statements. Yes. And, you know, choosing your family. Like there's just a lot of really great yeah. things that come out of that. Ele elevating, elevating drag. Like just mm -hmm. the, just the visibility alone is, is saving so many people and giving careers to so many people. And yeah, it, it's, I know there are portions that are problematic, but there's just so much good there, but also, yeah, like religion, it's like all, all art, right? It's like mm -hmm. with Rupa, it's like, we have these communities, like people come together to watch the shows and we right. like, we religiously come together every, you know, once a week to kind of commune. And it's like theater, like that's our yeah. church. We come to a theater to kind of like celebrate in something beautiful that's like other than ourselves. And I, I believe it too. Let's pray to that church. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, Jason, we, we kind of, we, we dove into it, but I'm wondering something we ask all of our guests. We want to know how you're doing. Are you, are you well? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. I, uh, I am well. I am. It has been a very uh, stressful, high pressure situation kind of standing by for this show. 
Uh, mm -hmm. at least even through city center. So it's been like a long stretch of months of just, I mean, to be honest, a lot of high anxiety yeah. um, and sleepless nights. But I, you know, at, after opening, things have started to settle and I'm good. I am so grateful for this experience and have caught up on some sleep. <laughs> good, 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 good. You know, so I'm, I'm in a good, I'm good, I'm good. How are you all? Oh, you know, we're great. Things are things are really good right now. And so it's been a really fun summer, despite everything else going on in the world. It's well, there's know. also that. Yeah. But we've been, been able to find great moments of joy. Like I was in New York uh, two weeks ago for a friend's bachelorette weekend. And Into the Woods was on my list of things to see. And yes. it was just, I mean, that was the, what kicked off the weekend. And it was uh -huh. truly the best experience ever. And of course, that. you were a part of that as the baker. I love that. I love that you love the show. I love that the city is loving the show. It's, it's the wildest, most surreal. It's a really special feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I I mean, we saw you as the baker and you were absolutely unbelievable. And of course, people just did this feature on you. Like, how, did they approach you and they were like, hey, we want to write this story? I think when the dust settled, I, I really was not... I did not inhabit my body for about 48 hours. <laughs> From when I got the phone call that this was happening until after opening, I, I, I think I wasn't even really aware of what was happening. And I had heard that that um, writer from People was at opening night and was a theater person. And, and I think he had been a swing for something. I forget what, like he understood the situation. And so he reached out to Rick Miramontes and all of them. And I, there was a part of me that's like, you know what? Uh, producers don't really want to feature not not to like relegate us to the sidelines but they you know they want to make sure that the show's running and they can see the stars that they want to see so they're I, I was not really expecting anything and they were like yeah this is moving forward and he's calling you today and it was yeah i could not believe it it was a really sweet beautiful thing and then it came out later that day it was like super super oh cool. wow wow yeah i mean for those who, who don't know you ultimately were covering different roles you're do you have an ensemble track in the show Normally, no. no okay. it's, they're all they're all considered principal contracts. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's because you ultimately went on opening night as the baker. Yes, which was my greatest fear of all time. <laughs> Not your greatest dream. Your greatest fear. <laughs> greatest fear of all time. I was like, no, baker, no. I don't. No, 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 no. Because it's so it's so massive. It's mm -hmm. such a massive role. I've never had to tackle a role that size also that is so iconic and i don't i don't know i couldn't wrap my mind around it and i've loved this show my whole life it's the reason why i wanted to do theater you know it's well like you know it it, it was it has had such a a through line with me and i was just like no no I, like i'll do x y and z but not that yeah and um and i think i just had to get over a series of personal fears i mean i didn't have a choice really you know like the curtains yeah. at this time so um and when it was over, it was just getting over this huge hurdle, not over just like being able to do the role, but to be able to access that kind of um, vulnerability and that immediacy and that, the comedy. I think I didn't have the time to get in my own way because, you know, with with that kind of being thrown on um, urgency, I just it, I don't know, something happened and I, I, I was able to face it. You know, it's like it's time to jump out of the plane. And so. I did yeah. and it and it happened and thankfully like you all like the response has been really thrilling and uh, i'm honored yeah by it. i mean i truly you you captured our hearts so much i when we were walking back to connor's apartment afterwards i said i need jason to be one of those names that people 
people think oh. of when they think of the great leading oh. stars of Broadway, you know, alongside people who are considered for the names in these musicals, like Brian Darcy James or Neil Patrick Harris or things like that, because you elevated that material in such an oh, incredible way. You're gonna, I'm, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, for real, I mean, No More is one of my favorite songs in the show. And you oh. had us crying mm-hmm. also, and I feel like we don't normally do this where we like really compliment our guests like this, but <laughs> we're both just so excited about it because also It Takes Two was my favorite moment in the entire show. Your chemistry with Sarah is oh, out her. of this world. I love Sarah her. Bareilles, for those, Sarah, of, for those Sarah who don't Bareilles. know. Yeah. <laughs> I love her. I love her. Mm-hmm. I can't even begin to tell you. It, people, and some people are like, is she, is she really like this? She, and like, she is exactly how she is on social media, on stage, in, 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 like it's all the real deal. Like it's just a consistent, there's no pretense. There's no ego. She's just kind. Mm. She truly like just like put her arm around me and was like, yeah, I got you. It's fine. It's going to be totally fine. And like the voice <laughs> is like a speak of religion. Like her voice is a gift from God. Yes. Like the tone is something. I mean, that's what like at the end of the show when I'm holding that the baby and she's behind me, there's something about that tone. It just sends me. I'm completely it's unreal. She's uh. she's such a love. And the thing is, is that I've watched her relate to Neil Patrick Harris at City Center and now with Brian Darcy James. And then to be able to have that experience firsthand, it's like she just is so good at connecting in a very loving way. So I give her 100% credit for making that happen because I was a nervous wreck. And she just was like, she's like, yeah, like a sweet hug. Like as much of her as her voice is a hug, she's like, I got you, you know? And it was, (laughs) that's that, you know? Oh, amazing. Wow. I actually also saw you as Rapunzel's Prince at City Center. Oh, did you really? Yes. Um, Another again, amazing. Uh, thrown on on opening situation. <laughs> That's crazy. Your yeah. chemistry with Gavin was also amazing. Oh my God. He is so fun. He is anyone ever had more fun on stage than he is in this show? No, I have learned so much by just watching him because he doesn't hold on to anything with a tight grip. He just plays. He's like a little boy that just loves to play. It's so impulsive and... <laughs> And so smart and thoughtful and, and I could, and I was like, oh, I think I can, I think I can play with him. And as soon as I started to kind of like veer off the tracks a little bit, I saw like a little glint in his eye where he's like, oh, okay. (laughs) You know, and then it became this brotherly thing where we just had fun with one another. And I, he leads with that energy all the time. And it's really, it's so fun to watch because he never, even when he messes up, it's so fun to him. And that's <laughs> wow. talk about another lesson for me. It's like, you know, you make a mistake or you drop a prop or whatever. And you're like, it's ruined. And then you, the self hate tapes start going and you like spiral. He just is like, well, and he doesn't hold on to it. I mean, maybe he does, but he, he just is so effortless. And I think Overall, with the production, I think it leads with joy, and I think that's what the audience is feeling: is that we're everyone's having fun. Oh, yes, you can tell. It's so interesting you say that because I have had so many conversations with people who have gone to see the show, and they keep saying, "I didn't realize how funny Into the Woods is." That's what everybody says, and I think it's because I give Lear incredible credit for just allowing. It's like trusting the people in the room, and she just gave them space and so much of what you see are what all of these genius icons have just like discovered in play it's all their stuff 
you know, and it's silly and heartfelt and maybe it changes. And there was just such a uh, welcome sense of discovery and play. And that how, that's how it comes across. It's like a friend of mine was saying like that curtain comes up and we present ourselves to the audience. And then from that moment forward, it, they said like, oh, it's like, let's get the Justice League of theater stars together <laughs> to be like, you want to put on a show? Sure, let's do yeah. it. It has such a casual, easy, I always feel like it's such a palate cleanser in a way, even with like how um, clean the design is. It's like, yeah. oh, it's just fresh and it's just a show and it's just these people playing. Yes. And I do normally love a set. Like I really need, feel like I need to be brought into the world, but yes. this works for it. Somehow, I think it's because it's just about the text or you know what I mean? Like with so much with Sondheim, I don't think you need a concept on top of a concept on top of a Sondheim show. Mm -hmm. The material is, is so beyond what is really out there in the genre that it's like, just present it yes. as is. Wow. The idea of a concept on top of a concept. And, and I, and I, I feel like there are people who have probably tried. I mean, I know that um, assassins has had a lot of different, concepts yeah. attached to it yeah. over the years some that have worked and maybe some that haven't i yeah. haven't ever seen it so i can't say but well, even even this revival of company has a concept on it it's got this yeah. alice in wonderland moving set piece yes. in it and actually i was at the doctor's office and I, I, he was telling me that that really took him out of the show and i suppose oh. that's what's interesting about art in general is everyone can take or leave right. or be on board for whatever they want but I think that's what's exciting about theater is you get to see different versions of your favorite shows no matter where you go whether it's community theater or on broadway and that's the fun of it like right how cool you can see this version of company that has a female lead with a set that's ambitious but then you could you know go across the country and see it done somewhere else right. or, you, or you could go to barrington and see aaron tveit do it and it's a, a very different version of right this text that's still amazing so right. I, yeah by no means am i disparaging concept uh, takes on these shows because I, sure. I feel like the company with coming it's so smart I know so I love that and it's like mm -hmm. it's like oh what a brilliant way of looking at this piece and actually bringing it into the into 2022 and actually right. Marion Elliott posted her letters with Sondheim online and it's really interesting because Sondheim I, I did this concert recently in Princeton and we used all of Sondheim's letters as kind of the narrative device and so I really oh. I was kind of digging through all of you know, and it's really what he thought at the time uh, about uh, adapting this and adapting that. And his letters to Marion were really interesting to me because he kind of was like, I, I, I really have never seen the male characters this way and the female characters as marginalized. And to flip, it's like, I'm relearning what my own show is. Mm. And he's like, oh, you've really opened my eyes to something that is, has always been there or could have always been there that I had never seen. And I love it. Yeah. I'm like, that's so powerful, yeah. you know? And he was um, so open to that kind of stuff too. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to assume, but it was exciting to see his, th or read his thrill about yes. the, the, this new version. I, I think with, with Woods, I guess what my point being is like, it just goes directly to the emotion. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like the, the special effect is just how it makes you feel. Yeah. Do, you, do you have a favorite lyric from the show? Oh my God. I know that's, I, I asked that and then I think to myself, oh, what would mine be? And I don't even know, so. <laughs> I mean, this, we, were, we were sitting in, in, uh, in the theater like during tech and one of, the, one of the pianists was just like going over a bar, 
you know, just like getting it right. And then went over another like two bars or whatever. And I turned to someone uh, in the cast and I was like, this is like such a needle drop show. Like if you were to drop it anywhere in the show, I'd be like, that's the most beautiful music ever. Like there's a, it's a no skip record, right? I love every, even the incidental music. I'm like stunning. And there's Uh a reason behind everything. It's so hard. I I feel like there, there's something about, well, speaking to company or any Sondheim shows, like you kind of glean something different at whatever stage of life you're in. If you're married, and watching con- a company, you get, you pull different information than when you're single watching company. Right. <laughs> or if you're divorced and watching company, you know, like, you're like, oh, that hits, that's hitting me different, wow. And Into the Woods is the same way. Like, I remember when I was 14 watching the PBS broadcast for the first time in the, my my little, you know, high school drama class, my, my high school teacher showed it to me, like brought the tape into our class. And I was, I always joke, cause Lear's from New Orleans, just like, you know, like, these like really far away areas watching into the woods mm-hmm. and it opened up our minds and our his classroom at the time was in the loading dock of our school <laughs> like that's <laughs> like a conservative yeah. uh kansas uh kansas city school i'm like here i remember i'm like oh we sat like in the loading dock and watched a pbs broadcast of into the woods and my <laughs> mind cracked open um it's funny now because i think uh, a lot of no more and no one is alone. It's like, there's so much in there that's like really hitting me at this stage where it's like forgiving people's mistakes. And there's a lot of that. Oh, that's beautiful. Very well said. A great answer to a very, very complicated question. Oh my God, you could say any line and be (laughs) like, (laughs) literally. What, do you have a favorite line? Oh gosh. You know what? I always loved in um, Giants in the Sky, which we did it in high school and I was, I was Jack, you know, just, just have to say, I was Jack. Yeah, 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 we'll call you. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know, you know yeah. kissing. Um, I always loved where he says, um, and you think of all of the things you've seen and you wish that you could live in between. I always yeah. loved that about like this place between innocence and experience yeah. and- Well, and Cinderella it, says that too. Like I want to mm-hmm. live somewhere in between. Yeah. And that's the baker's wife thing. It's like, if you've had an and or, you know, it's like, it, yeah. it's this idea of like, well, humanity is, is there's nothing black or white. Like there's, there's this gray space of humanity. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh yeah, we're not all good or there's no good or bad. It's like human, like multi-layered dimension. And it comes up again and again and again in the show. Yeah. Oh, wow. absolutely. Oh yes. Yeah. That line, that, that Cinderella line where she's like, what is it? My father's house is a nightmare. Your, Your house, house is, is a dream. dream we that gagged us in high school we literally quoted it all the time we were mm-hmm. i mean yes it's it's iconic yes you know? i don't yeah how how that man was able to say so much uh, the two of them james both of them it's yeah. like <gasps> overwhelms me still i'm never i'm never gonna get tired of it yeah <laughs> well i i hope that next time i see into the woods you're playing another role and slaying it but yeah. you meant you mentioned watching it as a kid yeah and into the woods being the reason that you got into the arts we do like to ask all of our guests about that moment of recognition when they realized they loved you know theater or pop culture or the arts in whatever way it means to them and we yeah. borrow a term from fun home and call it the ring of keys moment do you yeah. feel like you can pinpoint that moment or maybe a few moments you know what's funny i well definitely that because you know you're a teenager and you're watching you're like wow oh my god and I, then it was like the next class where you, we saw act two. And I was like, oh, I thought it was done. 
And that really, that really expanded my way of thinking in a major way. I feel like there's so many. In a weird way, I feel like being a kid and being so far removed from anything arts, really. I Because I grew up watching a lot of classic movies. Um, my parents were very protective and so I, we didn't watch any, I didn't watch anything of the time, but like I watched a lot of classic movies and Doris Day movies and like those like fun musicals and like Singing in the Rain was huge for me. I remember just that like Broadway melody whole section, just the best. I, I couldn't get over, I couldn't get over it. There is something about watching award shows. Do you know about mm -hmm. this as a kid? Like yeah. watching the Tonys, it's funny being like, even I think like eight or nine Tonys or the Oscars, but like, especially the Tonys where you're watching it and they would still do like ch chunks of plays and they yeah. do the shows. And I'm like, I don't know what any of these shows are. I don't know who any of these people are, but it looked so exciting and glamorous. And I had never seen what these things were. And then of course you're also seeing like queer people and gay people with their, with their partners. And I was like, I remember being really young and being like, what is happening in that building? Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I feel like that was such a thing where all these awards, the access to that. Definitely. Um, and seeing like, oh, look at that tribe of people. And then look at what they're doing up there. It, like, I feel like I started to get wheels turning at a young age watching. And it is funny being like so many people around the country don't watch it because they're like, I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't watch these shows. I don't know who these stars are. But to be like eight in Kansas City and kind of watching it and almost feel like you shouldn't. Because, you know, then you're watching like Kiss of the Spider Woman and there are gay plays and really subversive theater happening. You're like, I don't think I should be watching this, you know, but it was like really <laughs> thrilling in a way. No, I, I really, I connect with that. It, it, it's like aspirational like because you think yeah. they're doing this and maybe one day I could have something like that to call my own. Yeah. And who yeah. are these people? And they're just allowed to be themselves. And yeah. So was those early 90s, like were those like your early Tonys? ceremonies yeah i mean i i, I feel like i'm uh, a click older than y'all but like <laughs> you look you look I young know. and effervescent <laughs> you can tell me you can tell me any age and i believe yeah. it yeah no i yeah like all through the 80s and, and nine yeah 80s and 90s I would, i'd be watching these things and you know i that's when like because and then of course like uh i had done phantom with brent barrett and like his iconic grand hotel moment mm -hmm. I just, I remember thinking like meeting him being like, I remember like, and then you see those clips after the fact and you're like, so special. It like still lives on as an iconic Tony moment. Oh, definitely. Okay. So when was the first time? Cause I know you performed at the Tonys. When was your first time yeah. at the Tonys? Uh, that I had never, yeah, I had never attended the Tonys I, ever. I still have not, but I have, uh, yeah, we performed with Les Mis okay. and that was so epic. It was so epic. I loved that performance too. Because there was something to, um, the, that whole thing was a little, I, we had been on tour for about three years and then it transferred to Broadway and we were close to being on Broadway for three years. So that's close to six years of a three hour, really emotionally taxing musical. And it was very stressful. Uh, like there was a lot of politics and it was a lot of stress and it was like, it was a, it's a dark world to live in for a while. And it was a hard time for, you know, very, lots of different reasons. We've had people, I think- We had Allie Ewalt on oh, yeah. and she told us that like, she was one of the only people from the tour who was then brought into the Broadway show, I want to say. Or no, maybe she was in the Les Mis before that with Aaron She Lazar was in the first revival, Lewis. yeah. The first revival. Okay, never mind, I'm misspeaking then. I'm, I'm misspeaking. And Allie Ewalt, who is by far one of the most 
special Christine's I've ever played. I wish I could have seen that. She is, she is so iconic. There's a moment in All I Ask of You where I was on stage with her and what's the lyric? It's like, uh, let daylight dry your Mm -hmm. tears or something like that. And here she is with a single, like she, she manifested a, a perfect like Julia Roberts tear for me to like wipe away from her eyes. I'm like, get, get out of here. You are the best icon. Ah, that's so cool. She's so good. <laughs> that's amazing. She's so good. But anyway, you were saying you were, you were so close to Broadway for so many years and there were so many politics that went into Les Mis. So when you finally got there, what, what did it feel like for oh. you? Oh, at the time. To- yeah. There was something about the Tonys that it's like, I don't Everything was so fraught that by the time we got there, it's like, it just felt like I can finally celebrate that I, I've made my debut and that the show was a triumphant success. There was something that I could reclaim for myself that's like, you did it. Like you survived this whole mm-hmm. time. And I feel like you can see it on my face in the, in the tape. It's like, people are like, you have tears in your eyes. And I'm like, because I just was like, I survived. <laughs> it, felt, it felt like, uh, yeah, our, like uh, going to war in a way, because we did every night. And so it felt like, oh, you survived this and you can kind of celebrate it. And then, you know, it finishes and you're like, oh, then you're, there's something to when the thing is over, I suddenly become present again. And like, you see how big Radio City is. Yeah. And there's like Brian Cranston on the front row and you're like, oh my God, you know, like you start <laughs> processing the space that you're in. But um, yeah, that, that, I, that was a beautiful uh, moment for me that just was very positive and healing at the end of that whole experience. Oh, good. Sure. And I always say that, Revival was robbed of a cast album. Of the number of cast albums that are made for like the same production, if it transfers from off Broadway to Broadway, yeah. it's so insane to me that I mean, because at Casey Levy, you had Ramin and Will, yeah, vocals, and Demantis, yeah. and yeah, Nikki M. James giving one of the most interesting eponines I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like, just you know, it's it's such a bummer we didn't get a revival uh, recording. Nikki is such an such an interesting actress and i ran into her on the street recently and i hadn't seen her in years and we were chatting and i have you seen severance did you guys watch no it's been recommended to us so many times it's so good it's so good and she is so excellent on it and that's like the first thing i saw i, I said to her when i said i'm like you are excellent on that show <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, it's a fabulous it's incredible it's one of the best season finales i've ever seen Ooh. yeah i yeah you must you must it's so good Okay. I have to watch it. Didn't you meet your husband doing Les Mis? Yes, we met auditioning. We met auditioning doing the show. And it's it's a very sweet story because I was a basket case because I was like going in for six or seven different parts and had like a stack of sides like crazy. And I was, <laughs> I, I knew the show, but I wasn't like a super fan. Like I didn't really know it inside and out. And so I was just a mess. And it was a very rigorous process. I think we had gone through like five or six auditions they would do all these weird group exercises and they kept whittling the group down. And it was like, what is happening here? Um, And he was always there. And he was so casual and confident because it was his favorite show. He's like, it was, he was one of those people like, it's, it's, this is mine. It is time. I know exactly what I'm doing. So he was very, uh, very comfortable. And I was a mess. And I think he just like, I don't know, took pity on me or whatever, but uh, (laughs) we, we just became friends, but he came up to me and he's like, he introduced himself and he's like, I don't know. If you know this, uh, we had done like a, a concept recording of a musical years prior. And he's like, I have on my phone a song of us singing together. And I was like, what are you talking, who are you and what are you talking about? Because we had never, we had never met and I forgot about it. And it was like a Three Musketeers musical that never uh, took off. 
And he's like, yeah, this, and he pulls it up and it's like, we had been singing together on this track and I ne had never met him. Oh. And it was like, it was very sweet. And so we became friends because we, we, the out of town was at Paper Mill and then we went on the road and it was like one of the first few cities where like he immediately reached out and, and we just started hanging out. And yeah, that, that was like the first three years of our relationship were us like being on the road together. Wow, See, seeing the country. Yeah. Well, and, wow. and uh, honestly, it's like, I feel like if I had, there's something about New York that's tough with dating and all that stuff. Cause it is, it's the city of like the most ambitious people, you know, mm -hmm. and everyone is, everyone there is a hustler. And I think I was just very self-preservationist. And I always say like, if I wasn't in that specific bubble where there was nowhere for me to run or panic or whatever, it was like, stay here, figure it out, figure out your own stuff. It really invest the time. I don't know if if we would have ever worked out because I was just so I don't know. You know what I mean? This this New York thing where everyone's I going do. and it's hard to date. And so I'm like, if I had not had this confined safe space to kind of grow this relationship, I, I'm just grateful for that time because I think that's why we're still together. Like you know, eleven years later. Oh my gosh, congrats! That's amazing. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. It's it's that, and also I feel like in New York, at least in the dating scene that I seem to be in it, it, it almost seems like people are constantly still looking over your shoulder for like what else is coming next. Yeah. Like people are, there's so many options. So like, yeah. you know, why not, why not, you know, experience everything there is to experience. But I, I see what you mean about actually like being kind of forced, not forced, but like there weren't tons of other distractions. You could truly just yeah. like walk around Cincinnati for the day or whatever. Right, you know what I mean? right, right. It was a good, yeah, there was nowhere to go. There was nowhere to run or, you know, when you get scared or whatever, there was nowhere for me to escape to. So it was a, it was a great time to just focus on, on that. And I'm so grateful for it and see the country. So now like when we right. travel, we're like, oh, you know, we could be in any city. We're like, oh, let's go to our favorite place in, you know, Boise. Yeah. <laughs> now, did you end up back in Kansas City at all on that tour? We did. We did. And it was a huge moment for me because my grandmothers, while they were, you know, they were still alive and they were older and they were both able to come, you know, there were like mm. hundreds of people that come out, you know, from your high school and hometown or parents, friends or whatever. But I was just really grateful that my grandmothers could see me before, before they passed. It was very special yeah. for me. Yeah. It was great. Oh, that's terrific. I did. My, one of my best friends lives in Kansas city. Oh yeah. So I visited in January and I had the best time. It's a cute town and it's changed a lot. It changed mm. a lot in the past, like five, 10 years. And their yeah. theater scene is great. Casey Rep does great work. And mm -hmm. yeah, it's a cute little town. And there's some fun gay bars too. There are. Yeah. And there's like new ones opening. The like Woody's was fun and Missy Bees. Missy Bees is cute. Yeah. I was just mm -hmm. there because a, a dear friend of mine is from there, which I didn't know. And he moved back home during the pandemic. And now he's there and works all the time. He's having this great theater career and is buying homes and renovating them. And so I went home and it was like, nice to have like friends my age in town. I'm like, yes. and we, so the last time I was home, I was like, let's go to Missy Bees, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a very interesting layout for a bar, like a gay bar. Just oh, I know. Uh, yeah, that's lounge, weird. But oh, yeah, really... there's like kind of like a like there's a shop in there. I don't know. It's <laughs> very interesting. Yeah, mm -hmm. the Midwest they they got want to just do everything. <laughs> Jason, tell me about your solo music recordings and if you have anything coming down coming down the pike. I the the full length album I made while I was in Vegas because oh. Phantom Vegas was like my first big like production contract and I loved living there. I love living in Vegas. I love like desert life. And it was a time where there were so many shows. There was like 
producers and Mamma Mia and Lion King and Avenue Q and you know like so there was like a theater community there and I love the mountains and I love to go skiing and I love like bopping to LA so like I was so happy to be there but Phantom there's something about being in a long running show where and, and somebody explained this to me it's like you learn it you master it you nuance it and somewhere around like the three month mark your brain is ready to learn new stuff Mm -hmm. And so many people get a little cranky or dark or angry or whatever about being an artist in it's this switch to where the art becomes like your nine to five. And how do you keep it fresh? How do you keep it interesting? And, and that is our job is to keep the show vital. But it's also our job to be like creatively feeding our own selves and the people that maybe don't know how to do that or, or maybe just don't care to it's hard to be in these long running shows and so I quickly learned from friends there where it's like no come up with concerts and do charity benefit things and make records and it was just it also was like another safe space for me to kind of play I had no I wasn't in New York so I wasn't thinking of what will people think I just wanted to make music with friends that I had there and this guy Joey Singer who had been Debbie Reynolds uh, pianist her entire career is this brilliant genius guy and he's just a jazz musician like he just improvises and he goes and he plays all the he played all the instruments on the record and we'd go to his house and we just record it for you know like i wasn't it wasn't like a crazy expensive thing and i just wanted to sing you know i wanted to sing and i, I was really kind of navigating i love the idea of of unconventional male characters in shows and so that's the title came about not about introducing me as this new leading man it was kind of a play on words of being like what even is that you know mm. and, and men are flawed and they're damaged and you know this post golden age thing is like they're not just like i keep getting especially in my younger years the cast is like swashbuckling hero type yeah. things and it's like oh no they're nuanced and broken and i identified with that so a lot of those characters in the on the record are that oh i love that it's i mean it's a great record too um i know it's beautiful you have a beautiful voice i thank know you. thank you i you know it's I don't know. I, I I just like to, at that time, it was just something really fun to do. And I love, I mean, my degrees are music. I went to school for opera. So like, oh, um, like Monet not, exchange. Yeah. Me and Monet. <laughs> <laughs> me and Monet. So I never really like had um, this like music theater school experience. So I always say that like that Phantom Vegas time was like my music theater grad school. I was like, let's like dive in, you know? Oh my god, now I'm, I, I didn't even think about that, but you would have slayed Phantom. I'm so sad I didn't get to see you in it. <laughs> Speaking of all I ask of you, that's, I think, one of the most romantic songs in theater history. Oh yeah, in the it's canon. so sweeping, right? It's just like, yeah, it's gorgeous. Did you have any show tunes integrated into your, or incorporated, I should say, into your wedding? No. <laughs> I, saw, I saw this one, the reason I asked, my boyfriend showed me this TikTok of um, someone who had like phantom music is their like processional. And then it, it was like, it went into all I ask of you. And it was so gorgeous. I looked at him and I said, not for us, but uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, you know, I was like, that's really beautiful. Yeah. My husband is a huge music theater nerd. He listens okay. to it all the time. He listens to it while he's working out, which I can't quite wrap my mind around. He loves it. He loves it. It's like, and I listen to everything else. Yeah. Um, cause it's kind of like, you know, like if I work at the ice cream parlor, like I don't really want to go have ice cream, yeah. but, um, no, I know. but I, but I do love it. No, we had, um, our first dance was to Adele's one and only, 
Amazing. amazing. And we had a friend of mine, Jean Jolly. She's this amazing bluegrass singer, like one of the best bluegrass singers ever. And she sang this Tuck and Patty song. We met Tuck and Patty in San Francisco and they became friends of ours. And we wanted, they were supposed to come and they weren't able to come to, to we got married in the Dominican Republic. So they weren't able to travel. My friend Jean was there. I'm like, we please. So it's this Tuck and Patty song that we love. And, sh- and um, she has this iconic, and you go to YouTube and check this out. Jean Jolly is one of the best. She sings um, Hallelujah better than almost anyone I've ever heard. And it makes me cry. So she sang that. She wasn't going to, but my dad was like, can you ask her to sing it? And she sang it and we all wept. And I had never seen my dad cry ever in my life. And he cried. It was so beautiful and transcendent. And Oh my God. Yeah, it was really special. Gave me chills. I, don't even, I don't even know your father, but that gives me chills. That gives me absolute <laughs> chills. Wow, that's special. Thanks. Thank you for indulging me on the, the wedding and theater music question. Well, you've given us some different suggestions, including this, this you know, rendition of hallelujah and severance and things like that but we do like to end on a dose of drama which sometimes can include a suggestion it could be a rant a rave something that Mm. you it's just top of mind that you want to think about i know we've talked a lot about drag race and different things today as well Um, i'm going to kick it off with a suggestion i went and saw elvis last night speaking of vegas the third act of the movie takes place in vegas what do you think i liked a lot about it i had some critiques but i think the biggest thing i'm going to walk away with is how freaking unreal austin butler was as elvis Mm. himself did you see it no i'm dying to though oh jason you've got to go it's boz lerman so of course it's epic and i i I am a fan of a lot of his stuff connor is not so much of a fan of yeah but austin butler incredible one of those performances that just was transcendent truly okay i gotta go so sexy so sexy and i don't find elvis sexy but yeah, it was really good. Oh yeah, visually, I mean, you're never bored. Like it really, right. ta- it takes you on a ride. And I mean, ultimately every music biopic is like, there's an artist and then they're like mismanaged and their manager takes things from them and then they deal right. with substance abuse and then it's always a sad ending. And not to like discredit the stories that are that are worth telling, but this one's interesting too, because what I was saying to, to everybody about it is, you know, I went into it being like, oh, I don't know that much about Elvis, but then I saw it and I was like, Wait, I actually do because he is an icon. Like yeah. truly, I mean, Elvis walked so Harry Styles could run. Like it, it's it's amazing <laughs> when you watch this movie, you'll you'll see everything you already knew and how he has impacted the music industry forever. It's yeah. crazy. And Austin Butler is fantastic. Okay, I gotta go see it. Yeah, it's yes. on my list. Okay, my dose of drama is that I similar to dylan dylan spent his night with elvis i was spent all last night binge watching most of the bear on hulu oh yes have you guys heard of this or seen it it? yes yeah oh my god it's so good it's not about it's it's not about a patron of the eagle is it (laughs) (laughs) it's not it could be i would like to see that show (laughs) that's also one that i would watch but oh my god it's so great and i guess i'm obsessed with you know leading men today but jeremy allen white who plays the titular bear his name is something different on the show but i am obsessed with him i think he is so good and also so hot and yes i was talking with gavin about this just yesterday oh really he's so hot and i can't i can't put my finger on it yeah and it's like he's this sean penn he's kind of like you know, like a little like 70s Al Pacino, Sean Penn yes. energy. Yes. Like it's very of another era. It's very sexy. And I can't tell you why. 
Oh my god. Well, if you think he's sexy, you Jason, you have got to watch The Bear. The episodes are like 25 minutes oh, long. Oh, you've seen I've it. Seen you few, have seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the the girl, the young girl that plays like his sous chef that like comes on is brilliant is a brilliant actor. Yeah, so smart. The first episode I was like, "Oh my god, this is like if you've ever worked in like food service, you're like, I can't watch this. It's so intense." <laughs> uh, but it's the real de- it's it's yeah, it's it's so accurate and smart and uh, yeah, it's captivating. TV. Totally. Is sure. is the sous chef played by Io Adibri? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal great. comedian. Is she? I I yes. had never. I need to. I need to go down a rabbit hole and, yes. and discover her more because mm-hmm. there have been so many episodes where we've gone back and like, look at her face right there. Like, look at how she react. How did she do it? Like, she is so good. She's great. Oh yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm so glad, Dylan. You've got to watch it. Well, Jason, do you have a dose of drama to send us send us home with? Oh my God! Well, you know, I mean, I'm a, a big TV person. I love I love just catching up on what everybody's watching. So I love the Bear. Have either of you watched Station Eleven? Yeah, and on my list, HBO, right? It's on HBO. It is so special. I can't even begin to tell you. And I like Emily St. John Mandel, the author of the book. And I love. I like. I really enjoy the book. The show is even better. It is like the bear. The first episode is a bit of a tough watch because it's like you see like a majority of the population die from a pandemic. It's this crazy set oh. of circumstances where this book was written in 2014 or something. So it is very prophetic in a way. Wow. But what it is really about at the root of it is it follows this band of Shakespearean actors that circle around the Great Lakes performing. And it's about what matters when everything else is dead. Oh my gosh. Okay. And it is about the true importance of art. I mean, winding back to like our religion is, is mm-hmm. our, our church is art and theater and beautiful things. It truly is about that. And so it's this huge, like woven ensemble and the way they tell the story and the actor, like it's so fascinating. And, and I was listening to this, Emily St. John Mandel was on the Ezra Klein podcast. And she was saying, you know, she writes a lot of this post-apocalyptic kind of fiction. Okay. And they were saying, you know, like this huge, the huge success of Walking Dead. And what is, what is that? What's like the public fascination? And she's like, it's not about zombies or death or like these dire circumstances. She's like, I really do feel like humanity has this longing fascination for like a life unplugged. Mm. And so it's like, we kind of are really, it's almost like we fetishize what it's like to be like, oh, what if I just didn't have a phone? Yeah, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. be accessed. There's something about that. I'm like, oh, that's the truth. Um, so it is, it is. And I also feel like I am one where like, when tough, like hard elections happen or like tough legislation is passed and the world is like truly feeling like it's ending. I have this impulse that I hate with, about myself where I kind of, I'm like, art doesn't matter. We have to like hit the streets. We have to work hard and we have to do this or that. And then when I like finally calm down, I'm like, no, art matters the most. Mm-hmm. And that show was like another reminder for me about the importance of what we do. It's so beautiful. So it's a, it is a tough, worthwhile, beautiful show. Okay, I'm gonna watch okay. it. It's been on my. I know you've you sold me. List. It's I know. Incredible. It's I should, incredible. I should forget about all my other stupid shows I watch. I need there's to. So, there's so much, right? Like oh. it's hard to keep up. It's, <laughs> it's hard so to keep hard. up. Oh my God. Well, Jason, thank you a hundred times over for joining us for this, for this This is some of the most fun I've had on the pod in a while. So thank you. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, me too. This was great. We'll, we'll come back and dish about drag race. I'm I'm done. Yes. (laughs) Now, when are you, do you have any other scheduled performances where you're going on for any, uh, any of your many roles you play? Yes, I will be on for Joshua. So this is like the third 
role I've I've done so far since opening. <laughs> since you opened two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the third, yeah, the third role in two weeks is happening on Tuesday, which will be fun to kind of like get back into Rapunzel, put the neon flamingo jacket back uh-huh. on. Mm-hmm. And then I am so Cheyenne Jackson is starting today, which is great, and it's been so fun to have him backstage. He's such a great guy and so kind. He starts as Cinderella's Prince today because Gavin's up at the O'Neill. And so I can't wait to see Shine in the show. So and, and to like play off of him, I can't. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what is life? This is going to be so. <laughs> I, fun. I could see the two of you as brothers too. I think that's kind of fun. I think yeah, I think it's going to be really fun. And yeah. Then, but he can't do all of Gavin's day, so I'm splitting. I'm going to be on August third, fourth, and fifth as Cinderella's Prince. Oh my god! And the Wolf that I know about. And then you know who knows? Who knows? Because you did, you just did that like last week. Right? Yes, I yeah. did it for like most of this past week, which was really really fun. You never know what's going to happen in the woods. Yeah. And Gavin is like, he's got these like long, beautiful limbs and he can like wear a fur coat and twirl this cane and do all this stuff. I'm like, I don't have like, (laughs) how does he do all this? Yeah. You're tall too. You're tall and long. Oh, he's, I don't, he's, he's got these like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I just need to practice twirling a cane more, but I'm like. (laughs) Oh my God. Amazing. Do you cover any other, any other parts you haven't mentioned? Well, at City Center, when I got the job, when I found out about it, I was like, so what am I doing? And they were like, all. I'm like, what do you mean all? And there was, of course, there was no time. I was just trying to like learn as much of the show as I could. Here, it is just those three. And then, wait for it, the narrator, Mysterious Man, really? is like my, sec- my secondary cover, yeah. Oh, I love it. I, I really don't know how that will go. <laughs> I, I, I really haven't wrapped my brain around that, but it's there, so I better start learning oh it. Oh my God, if you if you are going on for it, I am running to the St. James. No, no. At least for the narrator no. bits, you've got the book. You could like cheat a little if you need to like reference right, that. Right, but... right. And DP is so iconic. I mean, oh, he is such a good actor. When I tell you, doing <laughs> c- c- the scenes with him, him. I, it's I, it's something I don't know if I had always caught in the audience, but like in in interacting with him, he could always kind of hook me. He really is a mysterious person in life, and wherever I was, he would do something like so nuanced and subtle or interesting, and it would hook me like right back. He has this kind of like tractor beam chemistry, and he'd bring me right in. I'm like, oh, you were so brilliant. Don't make me cover you. I I can't. <laughs> I can't do what you do. I would giggle every time he would appear. I mean, there's just so much fun. Magi- he's magical. Well. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Anyway, well, we could we could go through the the playbill and just talk about every single person that you play opposite. <laughs> and just, another pod, another day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason, it was so lovely to get to meet you. I hope that you when too. I'm back in the city, we can we can get together and just oh, chat. Oh, please. Yeah. Absolutely. Anytime. And while everyone can follow you for updates on if you're going on or whatnot, you're just at Jason Forbach on online, right? Yeah, yeah, Insta and Twitter. Perfect. And yeah. while everyone's following you, they should follow us. We're at the Drama Podcast. Connor's at Connor McDowell. I am at Dylan McDowell. Thank you for your time today, Jason. It was Thank you. so magical. Love meeting you. Yes. And Connor, I will see you next time. Drama. Drama.